Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? Then you will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I'm here with Mike Swigunski. Mike has been working and traveling full-time since 2011. His journey has taken him to visit over 90 different countries. And in that time, while he was working all over the world, he helped build an eight-figure remote company, all from the comfort of his own laptop. This conversation is going to be fire. I'm very excited. Let's get right into it. All right, Mike, welcome to the Remote CL Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm in the beautiful uh, Guatemala City right now. I just got here, and it's gorgeous, like a lovely like landscape with volcanoes in the background that are actually active. So I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. And it sounds very excited, uh, exciting. Um, I am in Rome, Italy myself. So it's pretty nice. I know Siri, not volcanoes per se, but you know, something a bit different, but still pretty cool. And, and that's the cool thing about being a remote entrepreneur, right? At the end of the day. And that's one of the reasons why I want you to be here on the show uh, to talk about uh, your book and, and your businesses. But before we get started, I wanted to ask you a question to ask every single one of my guests. So what were you doing before you started your business? What made you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, so it's, it's definitely a long journey. And that, that's something that I, I discuss kind of fully in my book. But I'll, I'll kind of give you the consolidated version. Uh, essentially, I studied abroad actually in Bergamo, Italy. That was where I kind of got the travel bug and got started in my sophomore year of college. And I wanted to keep things going. So as soon as I got back from studying abroad, I applied to be one of the student managers. And it was a really great role. Uh, And it was basically like a two-year kind of job where you're working for the university, you're promoting the study abroad courses, and they selected me to be the Prague study abroad student manager. So for two years, I was teaching uh, a course through the university, taking students over to Prague, marketing and doing sales for the, the study abroad program. And essentially, I was graduating and kind of had two paths I was going to go. I was either going to go the corporate route of working in corporate America, or I had this opportunity to take these students over to to Prague. It was my last summer after graduating. Mm -hmm. And I just booked a one-way flight. I was like, I know I can try to find something. I'll give it a couple months, see if I can find work over in Europe. And because I'd built such a great relationship with the university in Prague, I applied to uh, essentially be a professor there. So my first job out of college was teaching financial economics for a university in the Czech Republic. Wow. And I was teaching basically students who were, uh, a lot of them were actually older than me. So it was pretty, pretty interesting experience. And that was like the light bulb moment for me where I knew, hey, I just showed up in a new country, new continent. Uh, within a month or so, I was able to land a job. And I was like, okay, this is where I can keep doing this, building my career while still maintaining travel. 
And so I continued doing that. I, I worked in uh, Australia and New Zealand. They have a lot of great working holiday visas where you can essentially show up and work any job there. Um, and Amer a lot of Americans don't know about this. So you could show up for one year and work in Australia, um, do any sort of job uh, that an, an Australian can do. And that's sometimes the hardest thing is finding these visas for working abroad. So I essentially started transitioning from uh, physical jobs to tech jobs that were allowing me to work remotely because, you know, working physically had its limitations because I still wanted to be able to travel. I wanted to have location independence <clears throat> and I sort of slow stepped into remote working and then uh, applied for a position for a really small startup and ended up building this startup from four people um, to hundred, hundreds of people spanning the globe. It was a hundred percent remote company. Uh, and it was one of the fastest growing companies uh, in the United States for the past five or six years, actually now. Yeah. So that, that really gave me a lot of insight on how to build a remote company, uh, how to make, you know, a remote business work. And I would say that's kind of what got me very intrigued with entrepreneurship because I was essentially brokering millions of dollars of online businesses and seeing what works in the industry and what doesn't. So it gave me a, a kind of behind the curtain look to the online business realm. And that's something that I'm still doing today is helping people buy and sell online businesses because a lot of entrepreneurs think they have to start from scratch. They have to raise millions of dollars in funding, but there's a lot of routes to success. And some of the fastest and lowest risk paths are through uh, acquisition entrepreneurship, which is acquiring an already profitable online business. And essentially the startup that I helped build was a marketplace for people to buy and sell uh, those types of profitable curated online businesses. So yeah, that's kind of what got me started. And um, when I was working for this company, I started building my own businesses, doing my own acquisitions for software companies. And I've kind of built my own uh, small portfolio of online businesses. Wow. So um, it's very interesting you bring this up acquisition because, you know, uh, myself, I, I created an initial marketing agency and now a coaching business, started from scratch, built my brand. And although it was a lot of fun, and of course, it's my babies, they're my babies, so to speak. Uh, but it, I put in so many hours, years and years of work. And then there you go, you, you tell us basically that you can go ahead and, and purchase a business, which it does make logical sense. But can you tell us uh, the pros uh, of going ahead and buying a business? And, and what can people like? When people are, you know, um, maybe they don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest in a new business, how can they go about it? Yeah, so that's definitely like, I would say the con is a lot of times people just don't have uh, the money or the purchasing power to acquire a business like this. Um, but if you do have that, you're essentially, the, the pro side is you're saving a ton of time, in some cases, two or three years. You know, if you start an online business from scratch, the chances of it being successful, uh, I don't know what percentile, you know, for the whole industry, but I would say it's probably like 10 to 15% that it's going to be uh, a huge success. Mm -hmm. And you're really reducing that because these businesses already have two to three years of financial data. They're already profitable. And one of the things that we say in this industry, it's a lot easier uh, to go from, you know, a thousand dollar business earning one thousand or two thousand dollars a month, and grow that to ten or fifteen thousand dollars a month 
than it is to go from zero to a thousand because that proof of concept stage is so difficult and so time consuming that that's why these acquisitions and that's why billions of dollars are going into this industry because these big, big monies and these big VCs are realizing they can acquire these businesses. They can have focus on a few different growth strategies to grow them. And they're going to get their ROI back uh, in a lot faster time than any sort of investment out there. Absolutely. And so the question that I have, um, Mike, is when someone buys a business and this business is already profitable, um, you're buying the systems, you're buying the brand, you're buying basically the clients and the customers of this business. But when it comes to the team behind it, I mean, like I have a team of about 20 people in my agency uh, that I trained over years and years of trial and error, but also coaching, of course. So if I were to sell a business to someone uh, from, you know, that, that really doesn't have that much experience in the field, how do they go about, you know, uh, sustaining that team, managing that team and then scaling from there? Yeah. So a lot of times I will say agencies are a little bit difficult, more difficult to sell for that uh, reasoning that you just laid out because they do have a, a lot of big teams. Uh, a lot of the businesses that we do focus on are, are physical products, uh, e-commerce, software, where maybe they only have a couple people on the team, maybe a few VAs. But in the example of an agency that you're, you're presenting, uh, a lot of times the buyer wants to make sure that the, the team is on board with coming over with the, the acquisition. So there's going to be things like they're going to want to make sure that all your uh, SOPs are in order, that essentially they can run the business without too much effort from their self. Because a lot of these, you know, multi-million dollar buyers, they're not looking to buy a job. They're looking to buy the cash flow. So they want to just be able to find some sort of business that they see opportunity in where they can, you know, essentially outsource everything, maybe a few hours of work a week, but they want to be able to just essentially pour more money into the business to grow it. So having that kind of growth path where, hey, they've got a lot of capital, um, they're going to be asking you, how would you grow this business? And in, in a case of an agency, it might require more of a transition period. You know, most businesses in the e-commerce, FBA, software space, uh, they might only require like a month of transition where the, the buyer and seller are working together to work out any kinks, make sure that, you know, they're, they're trained up on running the business. Um, but in, for an example of an agency, uh, you might need to stay on for you know three to six months, kind of still getting paid or still getting some sort of percentage of the growth. Yeah. Um, but that way, it's going to make the buyers uh, a lot more you know sure that the, they're able to they're capable to run the business and that your employees are going to be in good hands when it is because if you're able to train the new buyers, it's going to run a lot more smoothly in the future. Absolutely. So I have another question, Mike, that I wanted to ask you. And I think my uh, listeners at home are probably thinking about right now. Um, with my coaching program, I also teach my, my clients how to build solid remote teams. Um, but there are certain business models that don't require a lot of people. Now, they still require, like you said, a couple of VAs or one or two people, maybe an operations manager, but you're not talking about 10, 20, 30 people. So can you tell us uh, what those business models are and how you can how you are taking advantage of them to, to basically buy more and more businesses for cash flow and not to you know, get busy and, and start managing a bunch of people? Right. Yeah. So I would say like, you know, there's it, it really is gonna vary per business. Some people have just structured more complex business. So you could see uh, an e-commerce FBA business that just has one or two products. It's very simple. They have a VA doing everything, 
but then you'll see another uh, FBA, which FBA stands for fulfilled by Amazon. Essentially, if you buy anything off Amazon, it's most likely coming from a third party seller, which is one of these small teams of people or small business owners where they're sourcing products from China, sending it to the US or somewhere in, in, in the world, they're sourcing products, sending it to the US fulfillment uh, centers for by Amazon to be sent out to customers. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these businesses, um, they can be complex where they have hundreds of different products, hundreds of different colors, uh, a lot of different, you know, logistical issues. But then on the other end, there's just some of these businesses that are multi-million dollar businesses. They have two or three like home run products, uh, but those are going to be a little bit more expensive um, to acquire. They're probably going to, you know, because they are a lot easier to run, they have a lot more room for potential. Um, so the the less complex the business, probably the, the higher sales price that it's going to come along with that. So if you have a business that requires a lot more effort, uh, has a lot more moving pieces. It's just going to be a little bit cheaper than a business that's very simple and straightforward. So um, some of the businesses that I like the most are content sites. And these are going to be blogs uh, or affiliate sites where uh, pretty much an example I like to use is if you search on Google, best office chairs, mm-hmm. uh, I guarantee something's going to come up. It's going to be a blog post reviewing the top 10 best office chairs. And each one of those blogs is going to be sending you, you over to Amazon when you click that link. And if you purchase anything on Amazon, not even that link, that person who owns the website is going to get an affiliate commission. And Amazon has one of the biggest affiliate programs in the world. And the reason I like these businesses is they're very passive. Uh, a lot of times the initial upfront year or year and a half of the business is just trying to rank that, that website on Google. So the, the, the initial founders have done so much of the initial work that you can just focus on maintaining it or growing the business. There's, you, you obviously have to do some stuff, but a lot of that can be outsourced to writers. VAs can easily just go in and you know, update all the posts. So I'd say like the affiliate and advertising industries are some of the most passive. So if you're looking to acquire something for a portfolio that doesn't require a lot of work, I would say content sites are kind of my favorite thing to recommend people. Absolutely. And so for content sites, you're talking about um, ranking them in the beginning. And again, I'm, I, I have this thing that I need to put together a team so I don't work as much. And if someone wanted to create one from scratch at the very beginning, would you recommend getting some content creator to write these blog posts for you and invest initially for that you know, 12 to 18 months to get the website ranked instead of having to be the one writing these articles? I think it really just depends on how much time and money you have. Uh, if you have, you know, five to 10 grand to kind of outsource on content, you know, I'd put probably 30% of that on content and the other 70% on SEO services like backlinking and, you know, building links to your website. Um, but having some oversight of how to do all that stuff is going to help you become a better business owner. So I think it depends on your skill set. If you have, no skills, it's probably best to kind of just start at your own, start writing those blog posts so you kind of understand how it works. Um, start looking into SEO services and SEO packages to see what is actually impactful. Uh, and then once you kind of have a full grasp of, of the business model, then I would focus on outsourcing that. Um, but there's kind of that sweet spot where, you know, you got to figure out is your time worth it, worth writing the articles when you can outsource, you know, 
that to a writer. Uh, it's really going to come some sort of sweet spot. So it really depends on how much capital you have to, to kind of pour into the business. A lot of people are bootstrapped, so they end up doing it themselves. And writing is a skill that pretty much, you know, everyone from the, the Western world kind of has basic English writing skills. And as long as you can write at a pretty good level, uh, you can write pretty in-depth posts on uh, these content sites. Awesome. So Mike, I want to switch gears completely right now. I don't want to get into, you know, the, the lifestyle side of, of being a remote worker and, and a remote CEO, really, because here we are at the remote CEO show. Um, I wanted to ask you, how much time can you spend outside of your country? Uh, and in your experience, uh, do you have to possibly like uh, declare what you make in the country where you're in? So give us a bit of, you know, the, 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 the basically like the behind the curtain of what it means to be a remote worker. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, tax incentives, especially for Americans. And I'll, I'll definitely add a preface that this isn't financial advice. Uh, so seek a, a CPA or an accountant to help you because everybody's situation is so different. Um, but for, if you are a remote worker or even a, a remote CEO uh, and you're American, look into the foreign earned income exclusion. It's essentially a tax incentive by the IRS. This is not a gray area. This is a very clear cut uh, tax incentive for people who live outside of the United States or have a second residency in another country. Essentially uh, up to around uh, $108,000 of tax-free income. And then you can add in housing stipends and housing budgets um, to essentially get you around to 120 grand of tax-free income. So a lot of uh, remote workers and remote CEOs, um, they'll kind of utilize this to save, you know, $15,000, $20,000 in free taxes by living outside of the United States. So I have a spreadsheet where I literally track my days in the United States. Um, I don't spend more than 35 days there because if I do, um, I'll have to pay taxes in the United States. And it's kind of a, as far as like living in another country, each country has its own limits. Sometimes if you're spending six months in another country, that's when you become a tax resident by default. Mm -hmm. But it really varies on the country you're living in. Are you earning money through that country? Uh, do you have a bank account there? So there is a little bit of uh, variance. So you do need to really check into what the tax laws in the local country. Uh, but essentially, it's kind of if you're moving around every two to three months, you don't really have to pay taxes anywhere. Um, but again, it, it really, really depends on where you're going to be based. So there, there are a lot of incentives for that. Awesome. Cool. Now I want to talk about your book, Global Career. It's been a number one best-selling book. And I want to ask you, A, when it came out and B, can you give us, uh, uh, you know, kind of like a, a couple of points and points from, from the book that you want to share with our audience? Yeah. So I published it in November, 2018. Uh, like you said, it's been a bestseller. It's been featured on Forbes and a lot of other uh, large publications. Uh, it's got 200 plus five-star reviews. So definitely go check it out. But as far as the book overview, it's essentially, as the title says, Global Career, How to Work Anywhere and Travel Forever. It, it follows my sort of path and of 10 years of doing this, of working overseas. Uh, I've visited more than 95 countries wow. over the past decade of doing this. And the whole idea is just to help you 
get to where you want to be faster, uh, whether that's through being an entrepreneur, being a remote worker, uh, to help you kind of figure out what I've learned over the past decade, consolidated into one easy to use book where you can learn from my mistakes and my success to figure out what you want to do, uh, but do it a lot faster. And this was, uh, this was published, you know, before remote working has become even more accessible to just about every person in every industry. So now it's, I would say it's almost easier than ever to become uh, a remote worker or a remote CEO. Absolutely. And so Mike, I want to ask you, is there anything coming down the pike that you want to share with our audience? Anything exciting that you're doing? Uh, yeah. So right now I'm working on my second book. Uh, it's going to be more focused on the online business acquisition space. And it's going to kind of follow the parallels of flipping houses. So I know a lot of people in America, they really understand this analogy of, okay, you buy a house, you fix it up, and then you sell for more profit. And that's kind of what a lot of people do uh, in the online business space. They find a site, a website that they see some sort of opportunity in, um, they grow it, and then they flip it again. So my personal acquisitions uh, will, will be included in this book as examples, but I've had one software business that uh, after nine months, I was able to recruit my initial investment. And that business is more than 10x. So uh, it's, it's one of those industries where you can have extreme cases like that. With a few simple growth strategies, you can really grow these businesses and get your ROI back, where a lot of businesses now are being sold between 30 to 60x, uh, and that's multiplied times the monthly net profit. So if you have a business making $10,000 a month in profit, uh, you can sell that business for around $300,000 or on the high end, $600,000. And for a new buyer, that essentially means if they buy that business at a 30X, they should realistically earn that money back in 30 months. If they buy it at 60X, it'd be 60 months. And that's just if they're maintaining it. So my new book's going to discuss all about the buying and selling process, kind of the behind the scenes of uh, online acquisitions and how people can could utilize this to, to become an acquisition entrepreneur. Awesome. Super exciting. And honestly, I'm looking forward to having you back in the future to discuss that book. But in the meantime, Mike, where can people find you online? Yeah. So if you just type in uh, Mike Swigunski uh, on Google, it's probably the easiest way, but globalcareerbook.com is probably the easiest way because that just has everything I'm kind of working on. Uh, you can grab a copy of my book there. You can hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn. That's probably where I'm most active. Uh, and if you're listening, send me a DM if you hear this on, on Instagram. That's, that's probably where I'm the most active. So if you want to get in touch or if you have questions, I love trying to help people out. Uh, so don't hesitate to get in touch if there's anything you need help with or if you're looking to, to sell your business or to buy an online business, that's something that I'm actively working on. So uh, I help entrepreneurs who, uh, in some cases, I've helped them get $200,000, $300,000 more in, uh, in an exit because they, they had a 30-minute call with me. So that's something that can be uh, extremely beneficial if any entrepreneurs out there are looking to sell their business. That's super exciting. And I'm sure that my audience will want to know more. So again, Mike, thanks a lot for being at the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future and enjoy the rest of the day in the meantime. Take care and uh, enjoy uh, Rome. Hopefully you're, you're eating some delicious Italian food.
<laughs> for sure. Thanks. <laughs> Talk to you later. Take care. Bye. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B, and I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again, and I will talk to you again soon.